It's time to take a look around the NFL with our weekly visit from John McClain from the Houston Chronicle. You need to see a dog make a play. No puppies. I need a dog to make a play. Here on Raider Nation Radio 920. And John McClain joins us now on the phone lines as we're live at the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center, Raiders HQ. And, John, thank you so much for your time. Lots to get to, lots to talk about. And one note that I saw that I think most NFL teams, if not all, are going to be excited about is the fact that the salary cap is going to go up in 2022 to $208.2 million. That's up from $182.5 million uh, this year, 2021. What are your thoughts on the cap going up, and how much is that going to change the game? Well, first of all, they would have no clue about how much the cap's going to go up, the exact number, because it's based on a big part is profits. Okay. And they don't know over the like teams get in the playoffs, they make more money. Right. So it's going to go up by at least $20 million. It went down last year, this year, because of the pandemic. So teams that have cap issues or have some guys they want to get rid of who don't have favorable contracts, this is a good time to do it. So that's good news for the players, and it's good news for the owners because it means they're making a lot more money like they need it. But it <laughs> also is good news for them uh, when they go to sign players or to clean up uh, their own contract issues. So we probably should see a lot of moving and shaking, and I think it'll be a lot better uh, offseason as far as teams are concerned than it was this past offseason where there was a lot of cutting and releasing and, and moving, finagling the salary cap around to get it under that $182.0 million. At least they know that it's going up pretty much. Exactly, and that's something that excites everybody. It was depressing when you thought about what was going on this year because they've never been in that situation. Hopefully they'll never be in that situation again. Right, absolutely, no doubt about it. And, John, something else that is expected to be announced but hasn't been 100% official yet is uh, Super Bowl 58. It looks like it's going to be in Las Vegas. This should not be a big surprise to anybody. But uh, what are your thoughts and, and how exciting should it be to see a, a, a Super Bowl here in Las Vegas? And I'm sure it will be one, uh, first of many. As someone who's covered, I think, 40, maybe more than 40, I think it's great. We all knew it was going to happen. Great stadium. You build a new stadium. The league promises you a Super Bowl, and then based on the kind of job you do, then you could get another one. And I certainly expect Las Vegas to get in the rotation, along with L.A., Glendale, probably Miami. The Superdome is kind of a dump. They need to do this more, but people love partying in New Orleans a, a lot. But the ones that I think were the first three in Miami, those would be the four. I'm amazed that the Cowboys have not gotten in the rotation because they can put more than 100,000 people in their stadium. But they had weather problems. They had they had uh, construction problems. They had a lot of problems, and they haven't gotten one. And you know Jerry Jones would like to have another one. But the thing about people ask me today on one of my shows about the Raiders getting obliterated by the Chiefs and mm-hmm. what it would be like for the for the Raiders if their team is bad and they have to do a lot of rebuilding. And I told them, I said, when the schedules come out, the first thing you look at right now is my team going to Las Vegas. Well, you know every time they're going to Vegas or because of the way the schedule is set up. But you want to know when the schedule comes out, and that's the first city that they target because who doesn't like Las Vegas? So they're always going to get a lot of fans from other teams, mm-hmm. and that's not necessarily good for the Raiders. 
I know the Seahawks had so many fans at NRG Stadium Sunday. It was the loudest I've ever seen for a Texans game for opposing fans, and that includes Cowboys. When the Cowboys play here, Texans fans, they don't want them. They don't give up their tickets. But now because the Texans are pathetic, people will have to sell them, and you don't want that to end up happening with uh, Las Vegas. Right, and we're talking right now with John McClain from the Houston Chronicle. And, John, that's happening. I mean, that's happening right now as someone who's there each and every home game, and there's a lot of the opposing fans there. And then there's empty seats as well because the product on the field is not good as far as the Raiders are concerned. So some of these fans who are just new to being NFL fans in general are selling their tickets. It's more like an investment to them. But as you always say, winning cures all. If the team starts winning on the field, won't you start to see more of a, of a Raider fan base being in the stadium? Absolutely, and of course the Raiders are really popular in California, and I would imagine that they market in California, in L.A., and in the Bay Area, and they would want to draw a lot of them because those are your loyal Raider fans who've been through the wars for decades, and you're trying to make new fans need to win. People were fired up early, and then of course the Gruden fiasco has now led to them getting blown out like this. But I can't wait to see what Mark Davis does in offseason. Everybody is interested because that is a good job, whether they're bringing in a new GM or whether Mike Mayock is going to be in charge and get to hire a coach. That is a very exciting place to be. Not And one thing I'd worry about if I was coaching GM, you know, you can't lock up your players, right. but of all cities, you know, it's one thing to be enticed by partying and all that. But, man, when you're in Las Vegas, some people said, well, you got to be careful about what kind of players you draft there because you don't want them all going down to the strip every night when they're supposed to be home resting. I'll tell you what, I live in Henderson. <laughs> that tells you all you need to know, John. <laughs> I live in Henderson. Yeah, you, were, you were made to live in Henderson. <laughs> I know and that's right. Wife, Put her foot down on that, and you said, yes, dear. <laughs> you know me too well, John. You absolutely know me way too well. We're talking with John McClain from the Houston Chronicle here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Let's go back to the Super Bowl real quick because you were part of the committee when the Houston had the Super Bowl last, and you made sure, you wanted to make sure there was a lot of things that were kind of put in place. How long does it really pl- take to plan everything out, get everything worked out the way you want to, to, to make sure you have a really good impression on the NFL so you can assure yourself of more uh, Super Bowl trips? Q in the 2004 Super Bowl here, it was the first one Houston had a long time, and I did everything I could with people in Houston. I worked on it for months to make sure the media had a great time because you want the media going back to their cities and saying great things on talk shows, say writing great things, and it worked out great. And uh, my friends had a pool going when I was going to have a heart attack. <laughs> and I didn't sleep much the last two weeks. And I remember my wife and I were going to the Pro Bowl. And I remember getting on the plane the next day, going and putting my head next to the uh, wall in the window seat. And I woke up in Honolulu. I never went to the bathroom, never had a drink, no food. And then we checked into our hotel and we went to dinner. And then I slept another 14 hours. So that's how much I put into that Super Bowl. I didn't do it for the last one other than make sure that Media Row, we had great food and drinks set up outside 
the media center for all the people who wanted to just come out in the hallway and get to eat. And that was a huge hit. And restaurants downtown were not happy about it because you had all these people on expense accounts being getting to eat and drink right there instead of spending that money. Now, <laughs> in Las Vegas, I don't know how many people would spend any more time in the media center than they have to. They all want to get out on the town. Right, they sure will. And I remember that uh, that trip to Houston was fantastic. And so I, I know I loved every minute of it. I uh, thought that uh, the city did a fantastic job with the media center, the entertainment that was going on, just everything was really done well uh, there in the city of Houston. Now, John, one of the biggest stories I mentioned at the top of the show, one of the biggest stories that's going on in the NFL right now, unfortunately, is about COVID and all these teams that are under you know COVID protocols right now. It's like seven teams. I mean, this is... What are you expecting to happen now that all these teams and all these players are testing positive? It's like 60-something players the last two days. It's like Mike Florio wrote on Pro Football Talk, they better start checking those fake vaccination cards. Mm-hmm. You know the NFL doesn't want to know the answer to that question, how many players have them. they like you to think, oh, it was just Antonio Brown and his teammate. But we know that's a lie. Right. And we don't know how many of these players have them because the league hadn't put much effort in trying to find out. But I'll tell you this, it would be sad if COVID-19 had the kind of impact on the playoff race, the playoffs, and the Super Bowl that injuries usually do. It's hard enough dealing with injuries, much less COVID-19. The Rams find out before their big game at Arizona that they've lost Jalen Ramsey, their great corner, Tyler Higby, their starting tight end, and people ran out, started betting more on Arizona. And what happened? The Rams kicked their butt. So you never know for sure, but uh, it is something that is very scary, especially at this time of year, Q, crunch time, when you have all this jockeying for playoff position and home field advantage in the playoffs. Right, exactly. You don't want it to be impacted by something like COVID-19. You don't want it to be impacted by injuries, but you sure don't want it to be impacted by COVID-19. John, just got a couple more questions for you. What, what do you think of that situation going on in Jacksonville with Urban Meyer? How do you think that that shakes out? Q, there's a story today. Uh, uh, Shad Khan, the owner, had a, a already scheduled, long schedule meeting with the writers that cover his team on his luxury yacht. And we should all be that lucky. <laughs> and I was reading the stories, trying to read between the lines. It's obvious he's very upset. It's obvious he thought this was going to work. And considering all the problems that go back to the off-season program when Urban Meyer violated NFL rules for the off-season program and I. They were fined a couple of times. And he's got a lot of NFL people there and on his staff. Their offense is awful. Trevor Lawrence hasn't thrown a touchdown pass since Halloween. He just had four interceptions. He has not developed the way you want, even though he's got Daryl Bevel and Brian Schottenheimer there coaching him, longtime offensive coordinators. So something's out of sync. And it's not the money that Shad Khan would have to pay. It's like, where does he turn next? He tried Tom Coughlin. He tried different people. Nothing has worked out. He needs to find a general manager, a football czar, who can hire the right coach. It's been done. And I don't exactly know how to do it, but I'll be really surprised if Urban Meyer 
is back. I think they'll probably let him say, well, I've decided once is enough. My health is bothering me. I think it's better if, uh, if I go back into retirement and goes back on Fox or some network. Right. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I don't think he's uh, long for the sidelines there in Jacksonville. Again, we're talking with John McClain from the Houston Chronicle here on Unnecessary Roughness, Raider Nation Radio 920. My man, DeMond Cotton, in the home studio. He has a question for you as well. Yeah, keeping it in the AFC South, the Texans, they released Zach Cunningham and the Tennessee Titans, they scooped him up. But what <laughs> happened with Cunningham getting released there? Is it a case of a player that was just getting too big for his britches? <laughs> DeMond, it's not that. Vic Cunningham never caused problems uh, outwardly. He's one of those guys marches to his own drummer. He might be on time. He might not. And earlier in the year, David Culley benched him for a start and sat him down and told him, if you do this again, you're going to be gone. And then he didn't show up for his COVID-19 test. That is a violation of the rules negotiated by the owners and the players association. People are like, well, he did it on purpose to get cut. No, he could have been late for a meeting again because that's a bad look. So now he gets to go back to Nashville where he played at Handy. He's going with a 3-4. He's better inside in a 3-4 than he was outside in a 4-3. And hopefully he'll kind of get his act together. Mike Vrabel knows him. He was here when he was drafted. And he's still a good player. And now he gets to play for a playoff team, a division winner, and he gets to play here in the last game of the season to get some revenge on the Texans. Nice. Well, uh, the Tennessee Titans, they're the second seed right now in the AFC. What have you thought about the job Mike Vrabel's done, even without Derrick Henry? Well, they I'll tell you what, Q and DeMond, they don't have a running game. And they won Sunday over Jacksonville 20 nothing. Their defense has been great. Ryan Tannehill is struggling. Uh, A.J. Brown is out, his best receiver. Julio Jones in and out of the lineup because he's injured, just came back from injured reserve. The offense is not the same. A.J. Brown's supposed to come back. Jones did come back for the Jaguars. They're talking about maybe Derrick Henry can come back for maybe the last game against the Texans in the playoffs. And if he could and he's 80%, he'd still be one of the best backs in the league. But I don't think they're making a big playoff run without Derrick Henry. Right, that's exactly how I feel. Right in time, (laughs) you got half faith. That's all. (laughs) Here you are, Demond. Here you are, John. Before we let you go, both me and Demond wanted to ask you, and and this is you know really close to home. uh, Dave Campbell, uh, big big Mister Mister Dave, man, the greatness of uh, Texas football, uh, Texas uh, high school football, all Texas football. uh, He passed away, and I know that you were really close to Mister Dave. Uh, What were your thoughts on uh, on the great Dave Campbell passing and just the life and legacy that he lived? Dave Campbell, I started reading him when I was eight years old in 1960. And my dad, when the Cowboys started, the Oilers started, Baylor was good that season, fell in love with football, especially Baylor in the Southwest Conference. My dad handed me a sports agent one day and said, John Craig, you want to know what's going on in Baylor football and Southwest Conference? You read Dave Campbell. I didn't know what Southwest Conference was. (laughs) And I started reading him. It was several years before I could pronounce all the words he used. And then he hired me in June of 1973. We've been good friends. He was sports editor 40 years, founder of Texas Football Magazine. Writers and broadcasters all over the state are having tributes to him. His funeral's Friday, and I'm honored. His family's asked me if I'll be one of the two speakers to talk about him. And I said, 
of course, it's a privilege. Thank you for bringing that up. Dave Campbell was 96, and you know when somebody gets that age, they're going to be gone. But it's still a gut punch for everybody who knew him, had the pleasure of knowing him, and the privilege of working for him. Absolutely. And I didn't know him as well as you, obviously, but I had many interactions with Mr. Dave, and he was such a gentle and kind man and knowledgeable. And I mean, he was just, he, he was everything that you just described and then some. So when I saw that as well, it, you're right. It was a gut punch, even though, you know, you know, the inevitable at some point, but man, uh, that was something. And he was a special dude. So uh, make sure you, uh, you know, send the, the family some love for me as well, John. I do appreciate that. Q, I will do that. Thank you very much. I hope you and DeMond have a great rest of the week and uh, Merry Christmas. And happy holidays to your listeners. And I look talk forward to talking to you next week. Absolutely. Thank you so much, John. Appreciate you. There he goes. John McClain from the Houston Chronicle. Had to ask about uh, Mr. Dave right there, Dave Campbell, Texas Football Magazine. And uh, I know I just from coming from Texas how large Mr. Dave was and how large and how impactful that magazine was. That was something that we look forward to getting in the mail every single year. I was honored one time to be in a uh, uh, advertisement in the magazine for the radio station I was on at the time, ESPN Central Texas. And I promise you to this day, I still have that magazine because I just was so honored to be in it because it was like the Bible in Texas, uh, not just high school football, but Texas uh, football in general. And uh, that's something that every single person had, no doubt about it. So uh, many thanks to John McClain for joining us right there to talk all things NFL and also talk about Mr. Dave, uh, who passed away uh, and lived a very long, healthy, and uh, prosperous life. And we definitely do appreciate him. 319 is the time. We'll come on back, uh, take your calls and texts. We're at the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center, and this is Raider Nation Radio 920. Give me your best. What's up, Raider Nation? This is uh, Hall of Famer Tim Brown. You're listening to Raider Nation Radio 920. What's up, Raider Nation? This is Hall of Famer Tim Brown, and you listen to Raider Nation 920. Welcome back to Unnecessary Roughness. Unnecessary Roughness. Here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Here's your boy Q. Just wrapped up a really good conversation with John McClain from the Houston Chronicle, talking all things NFL. And with that being said, I still failed. <laughs> I still failed. I apologize to our texter from the 707 who hit us up on the Salmon Ash text line at 69187. And this is a perfect example of how to use the, the text line, but I failed. I didn't hold up to my end of the bargain, so I apologize. But our texter said, can you ask John what he thinks about Deshaun Watson possibly going to the Raiders next season or if he's heard anything about where Watson might go next season? And that is a perfect question, and that would have been ideal for me to ask John McClain uh, because he is the guy that covers the Texans. He also covers the NFL like a glove, Hall of Fame voter. I mean, he's just he's the man around town when it comes to the NFL. If I I say this all the time, and I told John this, and I think he laughed at me because he didn't think I was serious. If I ever have the opportunity to cover the league and a team as long as he has, then I've lived the best life ever. That would be my ideal everything. People always ask me, what's your ideal job? Having, doing what John does, not necessarily on the writing end of things, but being able to cover the league like he has for a, as a glove, he's covered that thing so well for the longest time. If I can do that, I, I, can, I, can, uh, I can lay it on down and close the eyes and be good. You know what I mean? So I apologize for not asking that question. I will definitely ask him next Tuesday. I'll already put it down in my notes, and it'll be something. It'll be the first question I ask him. I promise you that. So, again, I apologize for that. Let's go out to the Raider Nation listener line. Coming up at 3.30, we have Cassie Soto from the Las Vegas Review-Journal, but we got some uh, very patient listeners on the Raider Nation listener line. Let's start off with Steve in Fairfield. I believe that's a 707 as well. What's up, Steve? A lifelong Raider fan, 55 years old. I'm going to tell you what was most discouraging from a very discouraging Kansas City game was with seven minutes left, 
the Kansas City Chiefs had already pulled Mahomes. They got their second stringer back. We get the ball back. Me, my friends, and family, we're all hoping for Marcus Mariotti, and Carr grabs his helmet and runs out there, which tells me this Coach Bisacci may not have the authority to pull Carr. I'm going to tell you something. Carr, we call him, we refer to him out here in the Bay Area as Check Down Charlie. You want to talk about a guy, he doesn't, you want to know what Carr doesn't do? I'll tell you what he doesn't do. He doesn't extend plays with his feet. Instead, he checks down. He doesn't extend plays. Marcus would extend plays. We'd be, we'd be in the playoffs right now if Marcus was playing. God, would you give the guy a chance? The guy's got feet behind him and an arm. He can do both. And I'm going to tell you one final thing. You said Carr's going to sit down with his family at the end of the year and discuss. I don't want him to sit down at the end of the year. I want him to sit down now. I'm tired of this. I can't take it anymore. Put in Marcus, for God's sake. Okay, let me ask you a question. As a respectable person and calm and collective, why are you screaming at me? Five years. Why are you yelling at me, though? I'm sorry. No, it's just the passion, man. Anybody who picked up the phone would have heard this. This has been building up for years. Derek Carr, ever since he got hurt, and God bless the man for getting hurt, he will not extend plays. You go back to the Giants game, he slides four feet before somebody, four yards before someone on, what was it, third and third and seven from the seven. You go back and the Giants quarterback dives for a first down to seal the game. I'm just saying, I don't believe in diving. Go ahead and slide, but he doesn't have it in him anymore. He will not extend plays at all. Give Marcus a chance. We know what we got with Carr. We got checked down Charlie. Okay. All right. Good, good call. Thank you. I appreciate the passion. Um, and, you know, that might be something they explore. There's four games left. I, I'm not in the locker room. I can't tell you what they're going to do. I can tell you that they got four games left, and there could be anything that they do, including put Marcus Mariota in. I don't think that they're going to put him in for a full game or start him, and the reason why, not that I'm saying it's a bad idea or not. Who, I mean, at this point, why not, you know, try some things out? I'll say this. Rich Basaccia said yesterday that he has – he doesn't want to take number four out from behind the center because he feels like that's the guy that puts him in the best position to win. I'm just don't shoot the messenger. I'm just telling you what he said yesterday in the in the media session. So I understand your frustration. I understand your passion. Uh, and, and like I said, who knows what they'll do the next four weeks of the season? You know, there's a lot of there's a lot of things that could happen in the next four weeks. And I still, regardless of when or if he sits down, if he sits down now or he sits down at the end of the season, I still think he's going to sit down. And talk with his family. I think he's earned that. I think he's going to do that. That's just who he is as a person. Let's go to Fargo Raider. What's on your mind, Fargo? Hey, the morning Q. Thank you for taking my call. Glad to catch you in a little bit better spirits today. Uh, now that we've all had time to decompress, I'm a. I'm gonna start off by um, addressing the previous caller. The car does extend plays. He's not gonna run it like you know. Yeah, he's not mobile. He's not. He's not mobile like Martin. That's what he's saying. But he'll roll out. He'll roll out, extend the play, and he can throw pretty good on the run and pretty far and accurately. We've all seen that. I know we choose to to follow our narratives or what we think, but I was there for game one and I saw Marcus hurt himself running the ball. Man, I'm not gonna sit here and say that to the, the guy who needs to start when he can't finish a game. That's that's my biggest thing with him. Uh, and then I personally don't get too excited about the Super Bowl going to Vegas, but that's just because I'm not a local, you know. I'm excited for it to be at Allegiant. And, I mean, if we were hosting, you damn right I'd be excited. <laughs> right. I channel my inner brother Lynch Hung. You know, <laughs> my kids got to eat somebody's babies on the line. I'm <laughs> brother Lynch Hung. <laughs> I ain't heard Brother Lynch Hung's name in a long time. Shout out to Brother Lynch, Sacramento, California. Stand up. <laughs> 
you know. And I mean, hell, even if they host a playoff game, I'm, I'll sell somebody's soul to go there. Not my own, but somebody else's. I heard that. Uh, <laughs> and then uh, last little point, with that 208 we got coming next year, I think we, we're going to shore up some guys that have made a big difference on the team. We'll have the cap space. We won't have to do as much cap gymnastics. I, I expect us to do a lot better. And whether Carr is there or not, I mean, the eight years he's been there, he's done what he can. You, we can't ask the man for much more than that. Like you said, he's earned the right to sit down and contemplate what he's going to do in the future. I'm old enough to remember the quarterback roulette, and I'm old enough to remember that we <laughs> right. had a quarterback that left to another team, and they told the man, if you want to play, you got to be a receiver because you can't throw. Thank yep. you for taking my call, Q. You have a good day. All right, my man, I appreciate you. Thank you so much for the call and a lot of good stuff to unpack right there. I, he said Brother Lynchung, man. I haven't heard Brother Lynchung in a long time. I think he said he he said a song that he said he was going to strike to his own funeral, like he was going to take himself to his own funeral. Brother Lynchung, he had beats. I can't remember who produced him, but he had beats. So shout out to Brother Lynchung. That was one of my man. That was one of my guys, one of my go-to guys. But appreciate the call, my man. Three thirty is the time. When we come back, Cassie Soto from the Las Vegas Review Journal. She'll join us to talk all things uh, going on in the city, around the city, the Super Bowl coming to the city, what she thinks about it. Of course, she'll talk about the silver and black. We'll do all that next. This is Radio Nation Radio nine twenty. Welcome back to Unnecessary Roughness. Here on Raider Nation Radio 920. I'm going to have to kick you, you know what, today. Here's your boy Q. Got about 25 minutes left in today's show. Very excited about all the guests that we've had. Jim Plunkett, John McClain from the Houston Chronicle. Of course, fired up about our next guest as well, Cassie Soto from the Las Vegas Review Journal. Before I get to her, though, uh, Deontay hit us up in the last segment. We were talking about Brother Lynchung. Deontay said, Brother Lynchung, yes, throwback indeed. I haven't heard his name in forever. I think he's in his 50s now. And then we also got a text on the Salmon Ash text line. Hey, Q, my go-to guy is Andre Nicotina. Situation critical. Yeah, man. <laughs> Those are two classics right there. Andre Nicotina and Brother Lynchung. Come on now. That's taking us back. Right now, Cassie Soto on the on the, on the uh, Raider Nick. Okay, so what are we doing? <laughs> what what are we doing here? All right, Q. Um, we move things on the fly. Um, pulling the reins in my own hands here. Divine Diablo is calling in at any second now. So, uh, and it's, this is immediate. I just got word from a uh, Raiders PR. Okay, so so did we lose Cassie? Uh, yes, we did. So okay. uh, let me call her back, and then we'll get her on until Divine calls in. Okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I don't I don't know what's going on, but that's okay. Devon Diablo, a uh, rookie linebacker for the Raiders, is uh, calling in, according to uh, DeMond. So we'll do a little on-the-fly uh, pr- pr- producing right there. I thought he was calling in after 4 o'clock with, uh, with Vinny, but we'll, we'll take him right now. That's all good. We do appreciate uh, him calling in, and um, I apologize to Cassie. I hope, hope we didn't lose her. Um, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll check in with her. That was, that was funny how that happened. Oh, Cassie just said somebody hung up on me, LOL. <laughs> we got a lot going on. <laughs> There is a lot going on in this segment of the show. Everything was flying by perfect, and then uh, and then all of a sudden a whole lot of moving and shaking just happened. So, uh, Demond, let us know if we get Cassie or Divine. Let me know who's uh, who's going to join the show, and we'll get to that uh, as that happens. Um, we'll get to that caller. Uh, we do got a text on the Sam and Ash text line. Do you think Derek Carr has really done enough to justify the Raiders resigning him? And if so, how long you resign him for, and how much would you pay him? That's a lot of questions. That's a lot of questions that I couldn't tell you the answer to. I really couldn't. Um, quarterbacks are, uh, uh, man, they are a premium. 
a premium in the league. So that's that's obviously a question that's going to be answered, but that's a that's that's a loaded question right there. Right now we have on the phone line, we do have Raider rookie linebacker Devon Diablo. And Devon, thank you so much for your time. We do appreciate you. And uh, obviously a tough loss on Sunday to Kansas City. And, and I know that you were out there and you were very uh, active and you were very vocal. How do you regroup and, and get ready on a short week for the Cleveland Browns again on the road? Um, yeah, it's a tough loss. Disappointing, of course. And at the end of the day, um, NFL is a long season. We just got to move on to the next game and focus on what's ahead. Right, no doubt about it. And for you uh, individually, you know, you're a rookie, and so, of course, you're, everything is a new experience for you in the NFL. How have you seen this season go from just practice and, and getting some, some burn there and here and there, and now all of a sudden getting some real deal minutes uh, and, and, and snaps out there on the field? Um, it's definitely been a switch up. I kind of expected it from day one, though. Like, I'm always prepared. I'm always uh, ready for worst-case scenario. And when Corey went down, I was ready to go. I think I performed pretty well. And it just happened. DP wasn't able to come back this past week. And same thing there. Um, Just got to be ready. Next man up. Is there someone in particular was maybe DP? Is there been someone that you've leaned on so far this season just to kind of get acclimated to the NFL? Um, I'd probably say mainly um, KJ Wright. Okay. Um, I watch the most film with him. We go on, we go in on our off days and watch a little extra film. And I feel like he's the better group, so I just go to him and ask if I need if I have any questions. And KJ's your guy anyway, right? That was that that was your guy. Yeah, KJ was my guy. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. He was talking in the media session last week, and uh, I, I forget who told him that. And he said, "What? Divine said that? Hold on." So, uh, yeah, he was he, <laughs> he was pretty impressed by that. And as far as your versatility, I mean, because uh, uh, normally a safety, and now you're playing linebacker. How has that transition gone for you? Um, it was definitely rough at first, especially getting on and off blocks, messing around with the linemen. But um, I just got better every day, and it became more natural as time went on. Talking right now with Raiders rookie linebacker Devon Diablo here on Unnecessary Roughness, Raider Nation Radio 920. So in the locker room, what is the message right now? You guys have a handful of games. Again, mentioned, like I said, starting with Cleveland on Saturday. What is the message to the team? How do you guys try to clear what happened on Sunday and just get back on track? Uh, we just got to make sure we still bring that same intensity to practice that we always do. Um, nothing changes. We still have the same goal. And, yeah, just keep competing at the end of the day. What does it take to get fired up? What, is there a guy that steps up in the locker room and says, "Hey, let's you know, let's let's get lathered up before we hit this field"? Is is there somebody who just uh, you know gets gets everyone revved up? Is, who who does that in the locker room for you guys? Um, I've seen Yannick and Match Crosby do it the most, and then KJ Wright's up there too. Okay, okay. And, and what have you what have you learned and seen the most from those two guys in particular, Unique and and, uh, and Max? Because they do look to be, as far as I'm concerned, big time leaders on that Raiders defense. Um, they bring a different type of intensity to practice. Um, they go hard every rep, and they actually inspire me to work harder. Okay. All right. And coming up this week against the Cleveland Browns, uh, obviously they're a team that's going to run the rock a lot. It's probably going to be very cold there in Cleveland. Uh, what are your expectations for this game? How tough is it going to be to try to slow down that uh, that running attack that they have? It's going to be really tough, actually. Um, we got to make sure we take care of our responsibilities first and then finish on the ball. Um, they have a great O-line, a great, run, great running backs. So we just got to be on our keys and make sure we do our job. Talking right now with Devon Diablo here on Unnecessary Roughness, Raider Nation Radio 920. My man, Devon Cotton, in the home studio has got a question for you. 
Yeah, Devon, I got to ask you, like, so what do you do in your downtime? How do you relax outside of football? Are you a gamer at all? And if so, what games are you playing? <laughs> so I'm a gamer and I'm a movie guy. I love watching movies. Spider-Man comes out this week, so I'll definitely be going to see that. And then as far as games, I'm a big Call of Duty guy. I used to be Fortnite, but I uh, drifted away from that a little bit. All nice. right, so I got to ask, I know you guys got that game coming up, but when is the earliest you're going to go see that Spider-Man? Because I'm going open at night Thursday. Me too. I'll be there. <laughs> <laughs> why, are you try- why are you trying to set my man up? <laughs> you talking about you're going to go. When are you going to go see it? That's funny. What's your, I mean, what's your favorite movie? Uh, since, since we're talking about new, I'm not a movie guy, but what's your favorite movie? Um, That's tough to say because I love Marvel, like the whole Marvel franchise. MCU. Okay. But also, hmm, I like Life with uh, Eddie Murphy and Martin. That's probably my favorite Oh, I'm the daddy. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, I've seen that one. I've seen, I'm the pappy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. There's certain movies that I have seen, and that's definitely one with the, one of them. Again, we're talking with Divine Diablo, Raiders rookie linebacker here on Raider Nation Radio 920. And so, uh, as we were talking about music as well. Since we kind of drifted off a little bit, uh, who are you, who's in your who's on your playlist right now to get you fired up for a game? I would say. A lot of people would disagree, but J. Cole is on my playlist. He's my favorite artist. Oh, yeah, nothing wrong with J. Cole. J. Cole could go hard. <laughs> He's one of my favorite artists out right now. Yeah, I'm, I'm okay with that on his, new, on his new project. What's your favorite track? Ooh. That's tough. It's between 95 South, mm-hmm. um, My Life. Yes. <laughs> that's mine right there hey my life it's a short song but man that song goes so hard right there <laughs> and then that, applying pressure is another one i like okay all right i like it well that that'll work divine well we definitely appreciate you making a few minutes for us and giving us a few minutes of your time i know you guys are working really hard trying to get prepared for cleveland but thank you for sharing a few minutes with us we do appreciate you no problem man. i appreciate you guys all right there he goes raiders rookie linebacker divine diablo uh, cool to get him on the fly right there. Didn't expect him, but uh, great to get him, and we do appreciate him. That's funny. My man asked him about going to see Spider-Man. He's going out there. He's going to be out there on the opening night. That's what it is. 344 is the time when we come back. Cassie Soto, I promise you she's going to join us next. This is Radio Nation Radio 920. Welcome back to Unnecessary Roughness. Unnecessary Roughness. Here on Raider Nation Radio 920. I'm going to have to kick you, you know what, today. Here's your boy Q. Fast and Furious show. Many thanks to Divine Diablo from the Raiders. Uh, rookie linebacker calling in. Uh, just kind of unexpected, but it was going to call in after four, but called a little earlier, and so we definitely appreciate his time. And uh, now, uh, as promised, and I hate to have pushed her back, but Cassie Soto from the Las Vegas Review-Journal joins us. And Cassie, sorry about that. <laughs> didn't... If, y- if y'all don't want to talk to me, just tell me. Like, I feel like we're <laughs> friends enough. You can be honest with me. <laughs> I couldn't believe you said you sent the text message. Somebody hung up on me. That was hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> I was just sitting here because well, I always get so nervous that I'm going to accidentally hang up right. and like, you know, and just cause a ruckus. And I was just sitting here and I goes, beep, beep, beep. And I was like, okay, bye. <laughs> yeah, that's that's cold game when you get hung up on. We didn't mean to do that, but we do appreciate your time. And uh, I, I got excited earlier today and really yesterday when the news started to come out and roll out. I think Vinny Bonsignor, your, uh, your tag team partner there at the Review Journal, says Super Bowl 58 is going to be in Las Vegas. The official announcement won't come up till tomorrow. But uh, what are your thoughts as a long-term Las Vegas resident? How are your thoughts on that? Man, selfishly, I'm like, oh, yes, job security. Like, let's go. (laughs) (laughs) 
I got something to talk about for two more years. Um, but yeah, as you said, it's 16 years here in Las Vegas. And at a time where the NFL was like, nope, never going to Vegas. We're not doing this. You'll never have pro sports. And now to bring single-handedly one of the biggest sporting events in the world to this town, it's, it's, like, it's hard to put in words, as a, like I said, as a Las Vegas. Um, I call myself a local now. I think after 10 years, you earn that title. Right. Um, it's just the way I have never been to a Super Bowl, but obviously we see it and we hear from people that have been that it's not just the game. It's the weeks leading up to it. It's the amount of jobs it creates. It's the amount of people and money it brings to the city. And for this city, right, we know how much visitors uh, mean to us. And after being hit with COVID, like, I hope this city bounces back like never before in time to host this event. Yeah, no, it's going to be exciting. And I tell this story on the show all the time, but I'm glad you're on it now. I, I tell everyone, I got here in July, and you were the first person that I met with. You were the first person I called because you have been here, and you know the lay of the land, and you know what's going on. So as far as that's concerned, how much has you have you seen this grow in the time that you've been here? So, so much. And just all the – even the facilities, like driving in, I had to go to California weekend driving in from california and seeing the raiders headquarters on my right and then seeing allegiant stadium like in the distant view when you're coming off the 15 there like mm-hmm. it still is just like how did this happen like how did we get here it was such a long time coming like i say the people of las vegas are so hard working and when you think of las vegas you think gambling and crazy and las vegas boulevard and this and that but outside of las vegas it's normal people you have people in henderson you have people in Summerlin and green valley and centennial that are just everyday workers. They go to work. They go to the school. They drop their kids off to school in the morning. And to be rewarded with something, that the spotlight that this city deserves, it's, again, it's, I hope the people of Las Vegas enjoyed it. I know, obviously, there were some issues. Um, not everybody was fully on board with bringing the Raiders here, but this is what the Raiders bring to this city, the opportunity to have Allegiant Stadium here and everything that is going to bring within. And I know a lot of organizations donate money, right? To local right. schools and they they include schools like the boys local boys and girls clubs they want them being a part of the kids activities and the specific kids zones so i i think it's just a bunch of positives and like i said it, it, we've got two years until this but we've got the pro bowl right, right. In just a couple of months we've got the nfl draft in a couple of months we've got nhl all-star weekend here also so th- the city of las vegas this was its it waited its time patiently, and now that it's here, like, there's no turning back. No, no, there really isn't. And, yeah, the Pro Bowl's coming up on February 6th and the draft April 28th through the 30th. And then, like you mentioned, Super Bowl 58 a couple of years from now. And I threw it out there, Cassie. I said, you know, I asked the Raider Nation just how excited do you get just knowing the Super Bowl's coming to the, the stadium that your favorite team plays in. And a lot of people are fired up about it, but do you think – how excited and how fired up would Vegas be if, for some chance, the Raiders hosted Super Bowl 58? That was, like, the first five comments when I tweeted out Vinny's story. It's like, <laughs> well, guess the Raiders won't be there. I was like, y'all, like, <laughs> you got two years. Relax, you know. Right. Um, but, yeah, I mean, if they're going to do this rebuild that people are calling for, then, then yeah, I mean, how, how many – do we know – Minnesota was the most recent one, right, where they – Hosted and no, Tampa Bay last year. Remember Tampa Tampa Bay Bay last year? Oh, yes, 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 of course. Tampa Bay. So it's not often, though, right? Right. Yeah. So, I mean, anything is possible, right? We know that anything is possible. And I think it would be incredible, again, just being able to tie in the local aspects to it and, yeah, host the the home team um, in their own stadium. 
Right, exactly. And really, Tampa Bay, the only team that's uh, hosted it so far. You know, of yeah. course, it's in L.A. this year, so the Rams, if they make it there. But uh, it's so difficult to make that happen. But look what Tampa Bay did. They brought in Tom Brady, you know, the greatest quarterback of all time, and boom, all of a sudden they ended up there. So, I mean, it doesn't mean that, you know, just because things may be changing uh, after the season that things can't get turned around quick, fast, in a hurry. So you never know what's going to happen. But before any of that happened, Cassie, we, we've got to talk about the last four games of the season. Obviously, the Raiders coming off that tough loss to Kansas City just I mean it wasn't tough it was just ugly uh, it was an uh, embarrassment but uh, for the fi- final four games what, what's got to be the message in the locker room and who's delivering that message in your opinion I mean I don't know I don't know if coach Versace is going to allow Unique and Gawkway to make any more team messages <laughs> after that it doesn't seem like he was super happy with the whole logo uh, right. uh, fiasco in Kansas City but I think like I don't I don't know who it's going to be at this point and and I don't know if you've talked about it already, but that Derek Carr soundbite from the game uh, after the game on Sunday where he, he stuttered and he said, we have a lot of, uh, well, most of our guys mm-hmm. work really hard. And I don't know why I'm like so hung up on that because he, he wanted to say, right, like a lot of the, everybody on this team, all 53 guys are behind them and ready to go, but he took it back. Right. So I don't know who in there is being like the negative Nancy and who's not showing up to work every day thinking that there's a chance here to make a run and win these final four games like Hunter Renfro said. Hunter Renfro is fully believing that this team can go, but he's obviously had the performance there and has shown us these last few games and really stepped up. And it's a shame, right, where we could be talking about Hunter Renfro and the games that he's been having lately. But again, we're talking about these horrible losses. So I don't know. I think I just think they have a lot of soul searching to do themselves, like as individuals, because if you can't get it together for yourself, like I don't think you're going to be able to get it together for the guy next to you. Right. No doubt about it. We're talking with Cassie Soto from the Las Vegas Review Journal. And, and, and speaking of a high note, Hunter Renfro obviously has been playing at a very high level. How about rookie Malcolm Koontz? He's had two sacks in two games. I mean, I know it's a small <laughs> sample size, but I think he's doing well. And he's, he, to me, he's earned more playing time. Yeah, absolutely. And it was funny. They had the press conference with him today. I don't know if you were on it, but he was just like, yeah, like, it's been great. I waited my turn. You know, <laughs> so, yeah. you know, he's a rookie, and I think that's one of the first times he's been made available for us. Um, but, yeah, sometimes it is the quiet guys, right, that, mm-hmm. that make the most impact. And, like, this guy waiting um, two huge games in his first two starts. And, but I don't think – and credit to him and not taking anything from him, but, like, why is it the rookies? that are stepping up in yeah. this crucial time period when it should be these veterans that are that should be leading the team. They should be, be they should be the playmakers right now. And like you said, it's it's Hunter Renfro a few years in, it's in Malcolm Coon. Um, I think you just had Divine Diablo in too, mm-hmm. right? Like these guys yep. that that they know how big this moment is. And I hope, you know, they know they're not going to take it for granted. So maybe it is the guys that have been in here for a while and have those paychecks constantly coming in where maybe they're letting off the gas a little bit. And it's these rookies that are going to have to pull them back together. Right. No doubt about it. Again, talking with Cassie Soto from the Las Vegas Review Journal here on Radio Nation Radio 920. And that's what I've been kind of, you know, work, looking for is, you know, who's going to be the ones that really step up. And, and something I asked Coach Basaccia on Monday and he wasn't too thrilled about was the five turnover performance. And I just felt like that that was a mental at some point you know what I mean it's like it's not physically it was just once it happened and once two you know turnovers happened then all of a sudden it's like a snowball effect and it was just mentally did you get that same sense or what did you think was the main cause of the five fumble, or five turnovers 
Yeah, no, absolutely. I think, like, the opening drive, right? You're like, all right, this is how it's going to be. Like, this is mm-hmm. the kind of day it was going to be. And I think at that moment, the Raiders had the chance to go left or right. Left, you're coming back, and you're you're putting that behind you, and you're you're giving it to your all. Or right, again, you're causing four more uh, turnovers, and you just let this one get away from you. And they were at that fork in the road, and they choose to go the opposite direction. Absolutely. And I think once you get down on yourself, like we've seen this team before, you feel that 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 emotional switch turn because it's right. not anymore. Oh, we're brothers. We love each other. We're stronger than ever. Now it's like mm, most of our guys are working pretty good. Right, and that's what adversity will do. You know, it'll start yeah. to slowly creep in there and maybe put a little bit of doubt uh, in in different players' minds. And that's unfortunate because, again, I felt like, and I've said this for the from the very jump, Cassie, that in the summertime when we were here at training camp and everything, everything felt like these guys were all 100% locked in and this was going to be a different type season. I know fans don't like to hear that now, but it just mm-hmm. felt different, didn't it? It absolutely did. Everybody just had a different, like, pep in their step sort of thing. You know, finally knowing that they'd be able to get a play in front of fans at Allegiant Stadium and have, you know, new leadership on the team and, and new guys stepping up to, to take over some big roles. And like you said, just as, you know, as unfortunately tragedy struck with this team and mm-hmm. one thing after another, they I think the wheels just fell off slowly but surely. I think they try to have hope right after the bye and, you know, to come after it and win and that big win in Dallas, right? You yep. would have thought that that would have been the turning point to say, you guys, we can do this. And and I don't know. I don't know what happened. It'll be interesting after the season. I'm always curious to see if anybody will come out and say anything. And a lot of guys, obviously, it'll be off the record or this and that. But it'll be interesting if anybody does speak out like this is where it went wrong. And they're right. honest with us. Yeah, no, that will be very interesting, and that'll obviously be for a, a off-season discussion, and we'll have that discussion exactly uh, when it happens, if it happens. But, uh, Cassie, great stuff as always. What do you got coming out, Vegas Sports Nation, that folks should be on the lookout for? Yeah, so we've got our Vegas Nation Blitz show airing tomorrow, but there's also some, like you said, a big announcement happening tomorrow. We're expecting uh, the official word that Las Vegas is getting the Super Bowl, so we'll be live like all day at VegasNation.com. Nice. So be sure to join us. We've got Ed, Vinny, and Heidi out in Dallas. We'll have a crew out in in, uh, Allegiant, and I'll be in the studio. So we'll have you covered from all angles. Nice. I love it. Well, Cassie, great job as always. We appreciate you. Uh, Enjoy all the work that you have in front of you, and we'll talk to you next week. Appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Don't hang up on me next time. (laughs) There it is. Mic drop right there from Cassie Soto on Twitter, at underscore Cassie Soto from the Las Vegas Review-Journal. As you heard, Vinny Bonsignor is in Dallas. He's coming up next in the huddle with Lincoln Kennedy. I know that they'll have a lot, especially from the owners' meetings. Vinny's on deck. This is Raider Nation Radio 920. I'll holler.